Hi, my name is Taylor, and we are going to be doing a recap of the semester. I'm going to be talking about uh, some of the stuff that we touched on through lectures. I'm going to do a walkthrough of the projects that we did this semester, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the guest speakers that we had. Um, for the projects, uh, for sure, and maybe a little bit for the guest speakers, I'm just going to go through a simple what is it, why it's important, and how it was applicable. Um, and we may do that as well for the guest speakers. We'll see how that format works uh, once we get to that section. It may work better for some than others. Um, so the first assignment that we did this semester was the uh, map kind of just explanation of why you were in the class. Um, I think that one was more just like a gauge assignment, not necessarily like content-based. So I wanted to go to the second assignment, which was our elevator pitch assignment. I think this one was important in that it kind of gave us an entry point into talking about candidates, whether it be ourselves or someone else, and just trying to boil down what we wanted to talk about, what was important, because as we learn further into the class, um, it's just important to hit on the highlights rather than trying to get everything into every conversation. The third project that we did was the uh, creation of the campaign video. I did um, Bernie Sanders for mine. I created a short video. I think this one was important because we used it uh, as kind of the next stepping stone up. You know, taking that voice elevator pitch and then turning it into a video. Uh, this also kind of coincided with after we had done a little bit in Impossible to Ignore. Um, and that gave us a few key things. I know one key thing I took away from Impossible to Ignore was memory cues and using videos uh, as memory cues and vice versa uh, for other pieces of content just to create connections between them, as well as uh, the topic of distinctiveness, making sure your videos stand out among other uh, pieces of campaign um, ads and, and the such. Project four was the pitch project. Open that one up real quick. So for the pitch project, I think I was a little off on this one. This is probably my, I would say my worst project overall. I just had a hard time kind of putting this one together. Uh, we were supposed to write the pitch for a like news article and kind of just make it relatable and something that people would want to take action on. I used a anecdote of such, kind of just talking about my dad and his uh, decisions with healthcare uh, when it came to his cancer, and it just... Um, it became something, you know, like we had the 
the money to be able to do it? And what about families that didn't have the money to make the kind of decisions that he did get to make? Um, I think that it had really good persuasive elements, especially like emotional sway, but it just didn't do a great job of setting up actions for people to take from it, which is, I think, um, really important to get the story right, but also to make sure that you're giving a path to the reader in order to follow up on that persuasion that you're applying. Project five was the best ad ever. And I thought this was pretty entertaining. I know that I didn't choose like a, necessarily an ad that's like a famous ad. I chose an ad because it was annoying. Um, I chose the Rick Scott puppet ad from the 2016 elections. And uh, at the time it was football season and I probably watched the same ad eight times every time I watched a football game on Fox News. It wasn't even necessarily the, you know, it wasn't like an amazing ad content wise. It just played so many times that you, it didn't matter if you wanted to remember it or not. Um, and that's just, it shows how important repetition is, especially for political ads. Something Vancor kind of talked about in his class was, um, and I, I think we touched on it as well in this class. People don't want to see political ads. So you have to do so much more than the average ad to really break through to people. Uh, assignment six was the Twitter assignment. And this one, I actually really like this one, making the tweets. My biggest problem was I got too into um, connecting AOC with NYC that I miss. I kind of made my ads as if she was running for like something in New York City, but then I made my summary about as if she was running for the entire state, which just didn't align. Um, so that was more of an oversight on my part. I think it's important, though, um, especially after we had our conversation with John Daly about um, how much media and how much campaigning is done through social media now. And it's important to think that not only is um, social media very important, digital media in general is also extremely, not extremely, it's it's must much less expensive than some of the other um, mediums out there. It's certainly less expensive than radio and uh, network television. And it has a good deal of targetability um, as well uh, as cost effectiveness, especially if you're choosing the right platforms. Um, personally, I think that shying away from Facebook is probably a good idea just because they're not quality uh, touches that they're giving you. They're really giving you, you know, it doesn't matter if someone's rolling past your ad at a hundred miles per hour, you're not going, you know, you're going to have to pay for that ad still versus let's say YouTube and Google, you know, Google is pretty quality when it comes to putting your ads 
where it matters in searches. And YouTube is nice where if they skip your ad, you don't pay for it. So um, I think it was good to get some work done on that project, just kind of getting into the realm of social media. And then we follow that up next week with the Facebook and Instagram project. Um, so for me, I'm a Twitter user. I found it much easier to make tweets than I did find it to create templates for Facebook and Instagram. I don't really like their platforms. And now Facebook and Instagram are connected, which makes it even more so. I rarely use Facebook as is. Um, I just think that I, in my opinion, Facebook doesn't do a great job of monitoring the content that goes on their site and they don't do a great job of making sure that your ads are getting placed well. Um, and obviously they're doing uh, a lot of controlling with Instagram. And I mean, on Instagram, on my Instagram, at least I'm constantly getting ads for something I searched, you know, yesterday or just a few hours ago. And as a campaign trying to compete with advertisers that are buying your data essentially in real time is going to cost a lot of money to break through and i think that you're better off using facebook and instagram as kind of mediums to reach your audience that are already kind of in your corner. You shouldn't be trying to gain voters on really many social networking sites. Your social platform should be for connecting with, you know, if you're a Democrat, connecting with already Democrat voters. You're not really going to break through the social media bubbles of Republicans and 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 uh, conservative independents to come and vote for a, a liberal Democrat. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion, but I do think that it's important to know how to use those platforms. And this point I will say was really nice. This is when, we, when I first used Canva. And I think Canva is probably one of the best parts that I took out of this class, just because, um, it's a great program. It provides great pre-made templates. And even if you get a pre-made template and you almost want to strip it down to its, um, you know, the bare bones of that template, you can do that and pretty much rebuild it back into whatever you want. I did that um, with, I think, one of my ads um, that I used in the Instagram project. I essentially took a, a thing that was supposed to be like, uh, a calendar mailer and just changed it into um, an advertisement for an Instagram live story. So it, it has a lot of flexibility. Um, the last project we did, not counting this one, was Project 9, which was our podcast. As you can tell, I'm doing a podcast for you know, assignment 10. So I took away a great deal from the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've thought about doing this kind of stuff before. I know even before I got into the class, before I got into college, really, 
being like someone on YouTube making videos or someone on Twitch doing live streams was something that I had always strived to uh, try and put my best foot into. And it seems like just being able to do that one podcast has kind of opened up uh, my ability to put the effort in and see what what this can bear in in the future. Um, I will say that I do think podcasting is kind of a niche thing right now. I think that um, there are some very influential people doing podcasts, you know, um, Joe Rogan, for example. I mean, he's very influential and he essentially just does his podcast. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. There's a ex-NFL football kicker. His name is Pat McAfee. He does an, a show every day. Um, it's essentially a podcast that has a video component because it does get uploaded to YouTube. But, um, I mean, he, he's gone from being a, a niche, you know, podcaster on YouTube to getting onto the ESPN desk for college football games and NFL games because his podcast has grown to such a wide audience. Um, so I do think there's a space for podcasts and I think there's a space for political podcasts. It's just uh, garnering a big enough audience that you can make an impact. The other sad thing I think for podcasts, it's kind of hard to monetize and get some advertisements. It's not as easy as digital platforms um, and it's not as easy for candidates to really use. It's more of something that a candidate can um use to again speak to a more core audience you know independents are not seeking out local election campaign officials podcast it's just not a reality i mean probably i would say a good amount of independents and republicans wouldn't look for a joe biden podcast it's just not something that people are spending their time doing right now and I don't think that it'll ever be a very dominant medium. But that doesn't mean that there isn't value in it. Um, I want to move over to some of the guest lectures and some of the books that we went over during the semester. The first guest lecture I have, I believe we had one before this, but I might not have labeled it correctly in my notebook, so I can't find it. But the first guest lecture I have down is Chris Emanuel, uh, who was the lobbyist for the Florida Chamber. Um, he kind of talked about focusing on using data uh, and using data to create a basis of facts and then using that base and your knowledge to kind of move forward. I thought that was good. I'm a big um, believer in data analysis. I'm a big believer in analytics in general i think that uh you know in politics and sports analytics can almost always point you in the right direction i think that for example in the nfl teams that are using analytics nine times out of ten are drafting better than teams that aren't um and i think that same goes for politics i think you look at the obama campaign in 2008 and in 2012 
to this day, he's the only campaign to use advertisements in video games. The only one. Um, we've had multiple presidential elections since then, and it's still something that only he has delved into. I think his team was far and ahead, far and away ahead of the time period that they were in. I mean, he ran his first campaign in 2008, and like we spoke with um, the mayor yesterday, you know, most most social media um, codes were written in 07. So to be using those platforms to the um, the ability that he was able to use them to uh, was just very impressive, especially for how little time he had and to come out of nowhere essentially as a democrat he wasn't really on the radar going into that race it was essentially hillary's to lose when it first started following that up um a little bit more on impossible to ignore i touched on memory cues i think that's something i really uh I, i think it's really important it's something i've talked about in other classes as well just because i think it's so um influential to be able to pair your medias together to kind of bounce the same idea um, to multiple people. I think that um, kind of like they talk about best paired memory cues with rewards. That way you incentivize remembering those things. We talked earlier a little bit about distinctiveness, using that to uh, stand out from a crowd, but something important that Impossible Ignore talked about, the author, was not being too dissimilar. You don't want to be so distinct that it's odd. Um, you have to strike a balance between the two. Um, what else did we talk about? A little bit more on Impossible Ignore. I know that the author talks about avoiding cliché and knowing the audience. So making sure that you're talking to the right audience. So the next lecture that we had was Joe Clemens. Um, and I just think that we had a little bit going on with uh, Dave Portnoy. He talked about Barstool and Populism 2.0. I'll be honest, I thought Joe's lecture was a little bit one-sided. I think that he didn't really look at everything from all the sides. I think that he was very kind of tunnel-visioned, I would say, on like what he thought was important. I do think that he made some good points about populism and moving to populism 2.0. Um, and I talked, I asked him a few questions about, you know, Trump and where he thinks that that's going to go. And um, like I said, I, I do think that, you know, populist candidates are on the rise, but I just didn't really agree with a lot of what he had to say. Um, moving on to Skip Foster, and then at the same time we were reading Alchemy, so I have a little bit on that as well. 
Skip Foster, I am. Um, he talks a little bit about his um, kind of path to where he's gotten. Talks about running a news newsroom. Um, I I think it was interesting that he mentioned news trying not to run stories, bad stories, three to five days out from an election because they don't want to have an effect on the election. But it seems like more and more now that like not only do new like large networks not care whether they're going to put out that content, whether it be a day before the election or five days before. But in Hillary's case, it wasn't even a news source. It was a um, government source. And I mean, the same thing before Biden's election, just like, you know, dropping bombs about Trump's tax returns and cases pending in New York. I mean, it just seems like there's no um, there's no second guessing whether to put the story out. It's you get it, you put it out. I'd be curious to know if these are stories that are being sat on and waiting until the time period or if it, they truly are stories that come that come out right then and they're just being reported on right away. He also spoke a little bit about news not ha trying not to have biases, biases, but news having favorites, which is interesting because you want to report the news um, correctly, and especially local news, uh, just because it's a little bit more of like actual journalism, you know, really going out and trying to get stories and reporting on local politics and that stuff actually being effective for like campaigns in the community, making sure that you have good press coverage. And he, he spoke about not necessarily having a bias one way or the other, but in the fact that if a candidate or a group treats the newspaper well, um, the newspaper is more likely to like working with them. Um I can see how that's not necessarily a bias, but if you're more, if it's almost a, a selection bias on the, the behalf of the people making good relationships with the newspaper in that the better um, they're able to curate their relationship with the editors and the reporters the more likely it is that they're going to be receiving more time and more sections in the paper. Um, that may not be true. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that's just something that I would think about. Um, and he... Touching, just continuing on that subject, he touches on stonewalling and using similar tactics, um, such as what Trump and DeSantis have kind of done in a way, uh, just resulting in newspapers' reluctancy to go out and report on those things. So, like I said, it's not necessarily that the newspaper has a bias, but if 
a group or candidate is self-selecting to be nice or not nice to a newspaper and that is in turn causing the newspaper to actually get the story or not it can turn into a bias essentially because the newspaper can only report on what they're given whether that is the whole story or not um a little bit on alchemy before I move over to the last topic which was um, or the last speaker which was the mayor I did um, I liked alchemy it was my favorite book my favorite was impossible to ignore I know a lot of other people didn't like that one I, I enjoyed it a lot um, I thought alchemy was interesting I just I've been drinking a lot of Red Bull recently, so I did like the story at the beginning about Red Bull's take on Coke and not necessarily wanting to even be a bigger company than them, but just wanting to like leech customers. Um I spoke a little bit about the book in class and just how it kind of changes your perspective on a lot of things on how people perceive voting uh, is how I, I kind of applied it, how people perceive candidates and different aspects of their life and the world around them that kind of changes what they take in. In addition, a lot of people just not taking in things and just being able to ignore that and how alchemy talks about being able to break through that veil by using, quote, um, they talk about magic some, they talk about using logic, um, but not everything for them is logical. Not everything every voter does is the quote-unquote logical path. Um, I don't know. Alchemy just wasn't really my thing. wasn't my, my cup of tea. Uh, moving on to the mayor, I really enjoyed his conversation. Um, I think he was my favorite speaker, for sure. Um, I think he gave a lot of good insight into municipal government. Um, I wrote down a lot of things that he talked about, from solar to utilities. Um, talked about his mayoral race. We touched on that a little bit earlier. Um I just thought overall it was really, really cool to be able to ask him questions and talk to him and hear his insight into what it's like in the political world. Also, it was very interesting that he um, went to London and worked in Parliament for a little bit and is able to kind of give that comparison uh, between the two different types of government. Give me one second. I'm going to jump and see if we're missing anything. Um, I didn't touch on influence at all. I believe influence is in my other notebook. So...
Oh, man. Seems that I have misplaced my influence notes. Um, let's see what else I can touch on real quick. Oh, one guess that I did not take notes for, uh, but that I thought was really good was um, the guess we had. She spoke about the uh, photos and kind of setting up really good um, camera angles. And although I I learned a lot of things about camera angles, I learned a lot of things about setting up space, like open space, where to position people in the picture. But I think one thing that I really took away from her um, guest lecture was not necessarily like using a camera, but the different tones that a picture gives you just based off of like your political orientation. She was um, obviously working for Republicans. I'm very liberal. I'm a supporter of Democrats. And when she showed her pictures, like I could set aside my you know politics and look at the picture and kind of gauge it from an outside perspective like oh i see that you're putting them in the upper third you're leaving the left side more open where you can use text um and i could analyze a picture like that but i kept coming back to um one picture that she showed it was of trump standing Sorry, slight cut in the video. It was an image of Trump standing, kind of leaning forward in that like awkward way that he does with the gray sky on the background and the flags hanging from the cranes. And I just kept getting like a bad, ominous feeling from the picture. And like she's talking about how it makes him look like a powerful leader and these kind of things. And, um, it made me think about how we see or pictures can give off very different tones to different people, which also led me back to how some pictures are very one dimensional and they give the same tone no matter what party you're from. For example, the picture of Rick Scott uh, getting ready to address the media outside of the Pulse nightclub massacre. I think that that picture, whether you're Democrat or Republican, it's just overall, it's a powerful picture seeing him. Everyone looks very solemn. He looks like he's, he looks like he's feeling for these people, but also trying to be very strong and provide a good leadership um, for the media and for the people that are about to watch him uh, on the news giving this address. Um... That reminds me um, a little bit. I wanted to touch on um, the designing a mail drop, which I think I missed in our assignment. I think it was 
it was really good to do the mail drop design. I had a really tough time doing the back or no, I had a I had a really good back of my mailer. I couldn't get the front down. I went through like six iterations of it and I just couldn't nail it. I never felt as good about the front as I did about the back and I wish that I had been able to figure out what about the back made me feel so much better than the the front of the mailer. Um, I just wanted to touch on the video, How to Crush It on Twitter. I thought that was a great video. I think that the way that he talks about starting up your own social media, using cycles of checking your content, what works, what doesn't, applying that and redoing it every 30 days is really effective. Um, he talked about making sure that you were kind of scrubbing your social media, uh, which I did right afterward. Um, and I just think the video overall was really good for discussion in class. It was really good for being informative, but not being overly like academic, I would say. Um, it wasn't like, you know, reading a textbook, but it was still very informative. I think that talking about that, not talking about that, but using that same kind of uh, medium would have been good to would have been good to apply to some of the other projects. Just uh, like getting a little video before a podcast, getting a little video before a mail drop, stuff like that, just to give a little bit of perspective on it would have been awesome. Um, I also think that it was really great you bringing in your work into the class. It let us um, give you feedback as students and um, it let us see what like actual work and doing that job looks like outside of a classroom setting. Um, and it also showed us that us as students can take that next step and work at this and be able to um, create these pieces of content, uh, especially with the background that we've been given through the assignments and through the guest speakers that we've had in class. Um, so we're here kind of at the end giving a summary. I think overall, I really enjoyed the guest speakers. I really enjoyed the assignments. I think that they provided a great base um, that we built on week over week with new guest speakers, new um, new iterations on assignments. I think we talked about it a little bit in class. Um, we got good feedback, could have used a little more feedback uh, on just like how to get your grade up on each of the assignments. But overall, it was really, it was really good to just learn, um, you know, how to create these compelling pieces for campaigns in so many different mediums and through so many different methods. Um, and to hear 
outsider's perspective on different aspects of those mediums, you know, going from photographer to mayor. Um, it was awesome to hear from so many different people uh, giving their, just giving their thoughts and being able to ask questions um, for them. And also just create, you know, like impressions on the people that we talked to. I mean, I remember, you know, some of the questions that I asked got such good responses from some of our guest lecturers. And it just, it, it feels good to be able to just be open and ask these people questions that otherwise we wouldn't be able to get answers to. So um, in the end, I think I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot from the class and uh, I'm excited to apply what I learned going forward. So thank you for the semester and this is my final project. Have a great day.